Hi, and welcome to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast. I absolutely love and value that you are here with us right now, and I hope you will hear something on today's episode that will touch your heart and soul in a beautiful way. Enjoy the podcast. I have worn many hats in my professional life. I've worked as a seamstress, as a house mother in a dormitory for girls, I've been a business owner, and I've done half a dozen other roles. But my favorite role, without a doubt, has been my distinct honor of serving as a Rebbitzin, otherwise known to many as the wife of the rabbi or a female religious leader. As a community Rebbitzin, one quickly becomes immersed in the delicate and sensitive details of people's lives. People open up to you. You get to both embrace people and share in their greatest joys, as well as feel the pain of their deepest sorrows. It's an honor to experience people so fully. It's a rare privilege to witness people in their moments of true vulnerability and authenticity. It has indeed been one of the greatest things that I've done to work with so many people over the past decade plus, but I have noticed a common thread, something that we all share in common. There is a search for inner meaning within each and every person. This seems to be a fundamental need. We all crave it whether we consciously know it and feel it, or if it's more of an unconscious thing, it's always there, underneath it all. And we deeply want to be connected to something greater than ourselves in our lifetimes. Insert Judaism. Judaism offers something that we crave, a deep connection between ourselves and our creator. Judaism is imbued with meaning. Everywhere we look, we find it. Each mitzvah that we can perform is supposed to connect us to our roots. Our Judaism enables us to take a deep sea dive and reconnect with our traditions and values of past generations, things that we hold so dear. It connects us to our Torah, our holy guidebook for life. To quote Rabbi Noah Weinberg of Blessed Memory, he says you can either snorkel through life or deep, deep sea dive. I'd like to share an idea with you that I have formulated over the past, I'd say, two decades. An idea that has helped me take my personal deep sea dive into instilling meaning into my life as a Jew. This is an idea that I have shared countless times with my community members and friends, really anyone that will listen. <laughs> it's an idea that has helped so many individuals in their quest to impart connection and meaning into their lives as Jews. Judaism, as we know, is not just a religion like other religions. It is a relationship, a loving and dynamic bond between each individual and our creator. Often, our experience in this world is physical, as opposed to spiritual, material as opposed to abstract, 
and it can at times be so intense. I used to describe my normal routine as busy, but I'm trying to shift to full. Thank God we have full lives. However you want to describe it or define it, we often go through life and we hold on tight for the ride. It's hectic and it's fast-paced and we don't know how it happens, but months turn into years and years turn into decades. To experience it fully, we need to press pause at each milestone. We need to go through life consciously with our eyes wide open, reaching out for this ultimate relationship that's available for the taking. This is mindful practice. This practice can make all the difference. Let's look at our annual yearly cycle. In Hebrew, we call it the Ma'agal Hashana. The word Shana in Hebrew comes from the word Shinui, which means change. Every holiday or event in Judaism is supposed to be a time for personal and transformational change and growth. We're not meant to merely go through the motions. We're supposed to grow through life. The yearly or annual cycle is meant to be one of change, an opportunity for growth and connection. As Rabbi Shimshon David Pincus of Blessed Memory described it, it can be looked upon as a ladder in a relationship between ourselves and our Creator. The annual cycle should not be looked upon as this circle, as if to say, oh, here we are again. Rather, it should be viewed as this spiral pointing upwards. One should never arrive back at the exact same place where we started out. Instead, we should see the year as a coil, spiraling upwards as we grow as individuals. Each year we experience life on different levels. When on a path to personal growth and meaning, you keep plowing forward while overcoming huge obstacles. Then we allow ourselves the luxury every now and then of glancing back and we could barely believe how far we have come and how much we have changed. It's only then that we appreciate the mountains that we have climbed. So come join me on a journey as we look at the Jewish year in a completely different way. Imagine for a moment a tall ladder with Passover being represented on the lowest rung and Purim represented by the top rung. Now in between we find Sfirat HaOmer, Shavuot, the fast of Tisha B'Av, the month of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, the festival of Hanukkah, and finally Purim. In all, there's about 10 rungs on this ladder, representing the major milestones on the Jewish calendar. Not that long ago, the word Zoom referred to a setting on a telephoto camera lens, remember those days? Allowing us to zoom in and see things close up. Well, right now, let's zoom in on the first rung of the ladder, Passover, which represents the birth of the Jewish nation. It's a time of new beginnings and great excitement as we prepared and we left Egypt to finally be free and serve our God, no longer slaves to the Egyptians after 210 years. 
When there is a bris, a circumcision of a new baby boy, everything needs to be clean and sterilized and sanitized, and you feel the excitement in the air. Well, similarly, we see many similarities with the festival of Passover. As we clean our homes and prepare, we sweep out all the chametz, all the crumbs, the bread. Nothing quite compares to the excitement we feel when we sit down at the seder table on that first night of Passover. The next holiday is Shavuot, where we, as a nation, received the Torah on Mount Sinai. This can be compared to the milestone of a bat or bar mitzvah of a child, as he or she becomes old enough and responsible to understand and perform the mitzvot. It's never easy for parents to raise a child. I'm in the middle of it right now with all my kids. Let me tell you, it takes hard work and toil and financial commitment. And a significant investment of time, and prayers, worry, sweat, tears, sleepless nights. I'm just naming a few. <laughs> Raising a child in contemporary times has its challenges, to say the least. It's far from realistic to expect to be able to just snap your fingers and find that your child has suddenly turned into a mensch, ready to venture out as you know a law-abiding adult in the world. When we celebrated my first son's bar mitzvah, I remember seeking out a quiet corner, away from all the noise and the festivities, and I took a moment to congratulate myself in a way for keeping this child alive and well to reach this day. It didn't happen by itself. The bar or bat mitzvah is a time in the annual life cycle to pause and reflect on how far we have come. Maybe even to give oneself a pat on the back. It's a time to reflect on our child, on how far we have come with this child and with this journey, and to enjoy the dividends from our investment. The time period in the Jewish calendar between Passover and Shavuot is known as the Sfirat HaOmer, the counting of the Omer. This is a 49-day, seven-week program. A connector between these two holidays. It's an auspicious time for growth, a time to work on ourselves and connect to different ideas of the Torah. Using the bar or bat mitzvah child as an example, this holiday can be compared to the time period of educating a child to reach his or her bat mitzvah, and the time that a child becomes responsible for the mitzvot. And conducting themselves as an adult according to the Jewish law, this milestone should represent a future life filled with meaning and connection. And yet, how many bar and bat mitzvahs have we attended, <laughs> or maybe our own, where the young boy or girl stands up at the podium and declares his or her love for Judaism and for commitment and? Wants to take everything on, all 613 responsibilities with so much excitement, only then to drift away from their commitment. More often than not, we find that shortly after the gifts have been opened and the party and the speeches have been a, become a distant memory, the teenage child is soon enticed. 
by societal temptations too hard to resist. Judaism may easily take a back seat for the time being in some children's, teenagers' lives. Some might consider this to be normal and maybe even age-appropriate. Teenagers are known to test the waters, to be unable to resist certain peer pressures and, let's call a spade a spade, to mess up sometimes. We could only hope and pray that when a teenager falls down, they dust themselves off and get back up. Parents are too often called upon to sometimes give our children a dose of tough love, guidance, and if necessary, even a measure of punishment. We do this only out of love for the child. As it states in the book of Proverbs, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. We hope and pray that the love for our child will prevail and will speak louder than anything else. So shortly after the holiday of Shavuot, we find ourselves in an, a sad time of the year. The months of Tammuz and Av have within them a difficult three-week period of mourning. It culminates in Tisha B'Av, the saddest day on the Jewish calendar. During this time, historically, we Jews, we had sinned so badly. We had the three cardinal sins, murder, immorality, idol worship, and baseless hatred. These are the things that God despises most. And God had no choice but to take away our holy temple. The punishment was so severe. And we are till this very day suffering because of it. God, the Almighty, had to punish us. He took away our holy temples and we were thrown into a long and dark exile. But here comes the consolation. God promised us that he will never forsake us. Immediately after this saddest day on the calendar, we observe a special Shabbat called Shabbat Nachamu, when Hashem comforts and consoles us, his people. As is written in the book of Yirmiyahu, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, I will console you, I will console you, my nation. It's written twice, a double consolation, like a parent who has to punish a child, but does so out of so much love. We then embrace the child with a huge hug and we console him or her and say, it's going to be okay, I still love you and I will do so unconditionally. Next up is the month of Elul. This special month, the word Elul, even the word itself, is an acronym, Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed, for Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li, which means I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. It is a time of love between God and the Jewish people. Elul is known as the time, the month, where God, so to speak, descends from his heavenly throne and comes down to the earth to be with us, his beloved people. During this time, God draws near. He waits to receive and accept our teshuva, our repentance, our coming close to him. The month of Elul is compared to a beautiful love fest between us and God. Elul is followed immediately by the month of Tishrei, and the first two days of Tishrei are Rosh Hashanah, 
our love for God intensifies as Rosh Hashanah, we crown him as our king. This time filled with much energy and excitement, it can be compared to the courting period in a relationship. Yom Kippur comes next, 10 days after Rosh Hashanah, the Day of Atonement. It falls on the 10th day of Tishrei. Using courtship as an analogy, this relationship between God and the Jewish people can be compared to the initial meeting of the future in-laws. The future is uncertain, let's say, and the final ver verdict, it's still unknown. How will things go? Is it gonna move forward smoothly? We pray to be sealed in the book of life on Yom Kippur. We pray for a positive outcome, but it's an intense and serious time of fasting, prayer, repentance. Whew. Once we emerge from these three holy days, we feel cleansed. Four days later, barely having time to reflect on the, these solemn days that we've had, we get ready, ready to go outside and step into our sukkah and celebrate the festival of Sukkot. We put up our own sukkah. Interesting thing about a sukkah, to be considered kosher, a sukkah must have a few certain minimum requirements. For example, it has to have two and a half walls. Now, if you extend your arm and bend it at the elbow like this, and then bend it at the wrist, what does this look like to you? This is what a sukkah needs to look like. Two and a half walls. It looks like a hug. It resembles a hug. The sukkah is intended to look and feel like a hug, a hug from God. For eight days, we step out of our comfortable homes. We venture outside. We grapple with the elements. Our roof is the schach, this temporary roof of, made of natural you know, fibers and leaves and branches. This is like not exactly the comfort that we're used to. The schach protects us from, it gives us shade from the sun, but it's porous enough to let us see the stars at night. Now this reminds us of the wedding canopy, the chuppah, that is also traditionally meant to be taken outdoors, beneath this canopy, under the, scar under the stars. The Jewish people, we stand with much trepidation beneath those stars, with God by our side. We might feel vulnerable and defenseless, but we're comforted in God's warm embrace. The beautiful relationship continues. Okay, Next up, we have Hoshana Rabbah, which is a special day that occurs as we conclude the festival Sukkot holiday, towards the end. During Sukkot, we hold in our hands the four species, right? The lulav, the etrog, the hadassim, the arava, the willow, the myrtle, right? We bring them all together. But on Hoshana Rabbah, on this special auspicious day, we hold these four species together one last time. And we circle the bima in the center of the synagogue reminiscent of the times in Jericho when Moses' disciple Joshua and the Jews circled the walls seven times until the walls came crumbling down. In similar fashion, we circle the bima with our prayers as we ask God to break down any barriers that may be surrounding our hearts. 
The joyous holiday of Simchat Torah is for many the culmination of the holiday season and falls on the 21st of Tishrei. On Simchat Torah, we dance with the Torah with so much joy. It's compared to the precious moments of seclusion after the chuppah called the Cheder Hayichud, the room of seclusion, where the bride and groom share their first few minutes together as husband and wife in complete privacy. Similarly, Simchat Torah is a private moment of just you and God dancing, celebrating the Torah with so much love and passion. The high holidays have ended. We've crowned the Almighty as our King. We've repented. We've asked for forgiveness. We've built and sat in our sukkahs. We've danced with passion and joy while holding our Torah. Now what? Suddenly we find ourselves inside this abyss of time without a holiday to celebrate, nothing to commemorate, nothing, not even a fast day. We enter this month of Cheshvan, which our sages have named Mar Cheshvan, a bitter month. The, the days start getting shorter. It's cold outside in most places. The rainy season has started. Sometimes snow has fallen on the hilltops. Cheshvan is this month with nothing in it. Weeks go on as we struggle to find something to hold on to. We're almost despondent until finally, at morning prayer services on Rosh Chodesh Kislev the next month, maybe a chazan might invoke a certain familiar tune into the services to remind us that Hanukkah is not so far away. Ha! Or something to hold on to. Hanukkah falls on the 25th day of the month of Kislev. Hanukkah comes and provides this ray of light within the darkness, a glimmer of hope to erase the despair. We needed that so badly. But as we climb higher up these rungs of holidays and we ascend and approach our Creator, should we not stop and ask ourselves, can it be that Hanukkah is on a rung higher than all these holidays? Let's just like review for a second. We're born as a people on Passover. The next holiday, we become this bar bat mitzvah on Shavuot when we receive the Torah. In between that, obviously, is our education period. Then we go on to a difficult time, the Tisha B'Av, the months of mourning. After that, we climb into Elul, this expression of love. Rosh Hashanah, crown God as our king. Yom Kippur, as we atone for our sins, we get closer in this relationship. Meet the in-laws, it's getting closer and closer. Sukkot, standing under the chuppah. Simchat Torah, in the room of seclusion, the cheder hayichud. And then we go into darkness. And then after that, we hold on to this ray of light, Hanukkah. Hanukkah is indeed wonderful. We light candles for eight consecutive nights. We eat greasy foods. Who doesn't like that? We play dreidel. But how could it possibly compare to the high holidays? Rabbi Pincus says as follows, Hanukkah is on a higher rung in our relationship to our Creator. If one is constantly surrounded by darkness and is able to find even one teeny spark of holiness, that is greatness, he says. It's easy to find light in a place where there's an abundance of it. But to connect to holiness in a place where it's not easily found, that is something that is worth celebrating. 
and is all too common in many relationships, taking it back to relationships, things don't always go smoothly. Inevitably, there's a disagreement. Hanukkah can be compared to the first fight within a relationship. That dreaded clash that, oh, by the way, you think will never happen to you because you're so head over heels in a state of bliss, in love with your new spouse. But it's going to happen. Inevitably, it's going to happen sooner or later. That first argument is actually an amazing component of any relationship. The relationship can become so much stronger than it was before the fight because two people worked it out. You talked. Maybe you cried, you shared, you even might have invited someone from outside to intervene and help identify and resolve your differences. The ultimate goal is for two people to work out their differences. It's not easy, but the result may be this relationship that is so much stronger and deeper. So Hanukkah rightfully takes its place on the ninth rung of this relationship ladder. The final holiday, the last rung on the ladder, is Purim. It may be the last, but it is definitely not the least. Our sages tell us that Purim can be compared to Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim, the holiest day of the year? Huh? Say what? (laughs) How can that be? Well, according to our sages, Purim is definitely on the same spiritual level as Yom Kippur. Purim, with its crazy frolics and behaviors and parties and drinking and costumes and chaos. Purim is this day that's so packed. We have everything going on, plus four other mitzvot. I call it the four M's. Mishte, the festive meal. Megillah, listening to the the scroll of Esther. We listened to it twice. Matanot le'evyonim, giving charity to the poor. And Mishloach Manot delivering packages of foods to all of our friends and neighbors. And some have a custom or two to add on top of that, such as wearing costumes and, you know, drinking to the point of drunkenness. Our sages tell us that when the wine comes in, the secrets come out. In Hebrew, we say, We also learn that the true essence of a person is revealed through three things. His pocket, that means his generosity, his anger, and his cup, how he acts when he's drunk. In Hebrew, we say, al ha'adam nikar, bekiso, bekaso, ubekoso. Let's expand on some of these customs for a minute. Costumes. The intent of costumes is to vinahapochu, to turn things around. The Hebrew word for clothing is beged. In Hebrew, we have another word, boged, same root word, which means a traitor. Our clothing sometimes betrays us. You can dress one way, but it might not really be you. You can fake it, your car, your house, your Armani watch, your designer boots, everything that you might buy. It could create a facade, an appearance on the outside, but not anything that says who you are on the inside. On Purim, God says, I don't care about the exterior. I want to see you. I want to see how you appear to me. On Purim, God wants to see our hearts, our truest selves, our innermost souls. 
the day of Purim may very well bring out some outlandish behaviors with all the craziness, Purim helps us strip away the outer veneer. It helps break down these barriers. On Yom Kippur, we might stand with our prayer book and pound our chests and tell God that we want to be good, that we'll no longer commit sins. But God knows that's not really who is speaking. That's not us. It's as if we're standing in front of a house of mirrors at a carnival where our image is distorted. We might try to emulate God's angels, but the reality is that we're mortal human beings. On Purim, however, we come before God and we somehow get lost in the festivities of the day, as if we're finally standing in front of a full-sized mirror, proudly declaring, this is me, God, this is who I am. Take me or leave me, I'm not perfect, but I'm determined to form a relationship with you. See my heart, it's pure. My desire is to do right and to follow in your ways. I, I cry when I say this because we all want this so badly. This relationship that we seek with God may sound uncomplicated, but achieving it isn't quite that simple. We're all inhibited by how things might appear to others. We hold back our truest yearnings and as a result are unable to establish the the, the, the greatest relationships that our soul desires. Purim is the pinnacle, the highest peak of the year. It's the day when God is able to look into the depths of our hearts and souls and truly see us for who we are and who we want to be. We have just reached the top rung of this ladder. The view is amazing. We feel ready to do it all over again. Only this time, it will be different because we are different. We've connected, we're aware, and we're prepared to delve deeper. We're ready to take that deep sea dive and go deeper into the most beautiful relationship of our lifetime. Thank you for being a part of our community. There is so much more coming your way. Stay tuned and have a great, inspired day.